All right, we're in our Bibles in Judges, chapters 15 and 16. Love for you to turn there. We're going to continue the series throughout Judges, and we're going to continue talking about Samson. We began that last week, but we've been in the book of Judges for a little while now. We took a little break over the summer, and one of the things we've been pointing out is that the Bible is meant to be a mirror before it's a hammer. So it's not a hammer to be beat over people's heads. It's a mirror for us to look into and say, what needs to change in me? How is God speaking to my heart today? And I want to read a scripture to tell you why, why I uh, have been saying this and, and to help us understand that. And that's James 1, 22 through 25. It's not on the screen because I didn't tell them ahead of time. The Lord gave it to me. Uh, more recently than the notes I put on the screen. But listen, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer, who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. And so you and I are meant to look into the Word of God, the perfect law of God, the perfect Word of God, so that we can be changed, so that the Lord can do a work in me and you. And so we want to do that as we look into God's Word today in the book of Judges. And in, the, in a an obscure story, an, an odd story. If you look at all the details, very strange, very odd what Samson did and what went through his life, the kind of life he lived. I mean, uh, it's something you would, would see in uh, scandalous news today. But God used him in spite of that. And so we want to see and see what we can learn from this about our own selves. And we, we begin uh, every message so far with a question. Here's the question. I want you to write it down. If you uh, write notes, this is something you could write down. What happens when all we have is stripped away and only God remains? What happens when all we have is stripped away and all that remains is God? See, oftentimes we fall, we fail to see how much we need God already in every moment before we get to the place where we're at the end of our rope we fail oftentimes to see in every mundane thing every small minute detail of our life we fail to see how we need him in those moments also not just when we're in the valleys not just when we've fallen or failed, not just when we've made mistakes or need lifting up, not just when the world seems in turmoil and crazy. We need Him in every moment of our lives, every moment of our day, every aspect of our life, every potential thing, every specific thing. And sometimes it unfortunately takes us learning the hard way. For us to see that. Unfortunately, it oftentimes takes getting to the valleys, getting to the ends of our ropes for us to realize, I need God, I need you, and I needed you all along, and I was foolish to squander and waste what was there right in front of me all along. And that's the story of Samson's life. Samson had everything. 
every blessing that God could have given him. He set him apart. He made him special. He set him apart from birth. He gave him this supernatural strength. He gave him every blessing. He was a judge of Israel. And Samson took everything that God gave to him and squandered it away. And we do the same thing sometimes. Oftentimes. Too many times. You see, Sam ha Samson had to learn the hard way. He had learned this difficult lesson himself. It wasn't until he could, couldn't even physically see that his eyes were finally opened to see his need for God in all things. And that's us. We need God in all of life. He's not merely something or someone unto whom we devote our Sundays. God is meant to be at the center of Tuesday afternoon as much as he is Sunday morning. I chose that arbitrarily, so there was no... I'm just... What I'm trying to say is we need him always. In every moment, not just Sunday mornings, but always. God is meant to be at the center of it all. In fact, that's his desire for you. That's his desire for you to be at the central, to be the central priority of your life. Not merely an add-on. Not merely something you do when it's convenient for you. Not merely an acknowledgement here and there. Not merely just a simple prayer before your meals and before you go to bed. But for you to have a dynamic, dependent relationship on him every day. And unfortunately... We don't realize that sometimes until everything else has been stripped from us. He wants to abide with you and you with him. So let's take a moment and look at Samson's failures and determine how we can avoid them in our own lives. Look in Judges chapter 15. I want you to see in this first, it, it, it's two chapters, so we're not, we don't have time to read it all. We're going to just jump around, uh, and I'll try to keep you with me, okay? But first two verses of chapter 15, we see uh, we, we had left off with Samson, right? Samson uh, had gotten uh, a rage of anger. The Lord filled him with his spirit regardless, and he, he went and uh, obtained the clothing that he lost in the bet and took off and left his wife behind, right? So here we see Samson coming back to get her, but she'd already been given to someone else. Look at what happens. Later on during the whole harvest, Samson took a young goat as a gift and visited his wife. I want to go to my wife in her room, he said, but her father would not let him enter. I was sure you hated her, her father said, so I gave her to one of the men who accompanied you. Isn't her younger sister more beautiful than she is? Why not take her instead? Which is odd, but we're not going to go there. That's another thing for another time. It's not the point of the message. But what we see is that Samson had not devoted himself. He, 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 he got so in a flurry of anger, he took off and left her behind. And, and then all of a sudden just wanted to come back and claim the relationship he already had. But the problem was is that he had squandered it. He had uh, abused it. He had lost it. Samson tried to repair what he had squandered uh, in his relationship. He messed up. He tried to fix it. But see, God was never in the center of it. 
And it was as if Samson didn't even care. Here he was, full of the Spirit of God, enjoying the blessings of God, while his family suffered. And the first point we see today is that we need God in the center of our family relationships. We need God in the center of our family relationships. This story may seem bizarre to you. Look at this crazy story. But this story happens every day where people who are Christians, who are leaders, who are uh, even in church leadership at times, who are serving God with their lives and their families at home, suffering. Suffering. I heard a story recently, and I want to go into the details because I... I certainly don't want to be talking about anyone and, and, and those details to get out, but I just want you to know it's a story that we've seen again and again of a man of God living a different life in front of his family and his church and another life completely in secret. And guess what? His sin was found out and his family destroyed. But see, his family didn't have God at the center to begin with. He didn't have God in the center of that relationship to begin with. He did whatever he wanted. He had the blessings of God right in front of him, and he squandered them away the same way Samson does here. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful to, to make sure that God is at the center of it all. God is at the center of our family relationships. God is at the center of our marriages. God is at the center of our relationship with our children. God is at the center of our, our, our relationship, for many of you, with your grandchildren and with, with the generation after generation that, that represents you. And we want to leave a legacy in our lifetime. We want to leave a legacy for the lifetimes to come in our children in our lives in the lives of our children and grandchildren will end up in the direction that we aim them and so where are we aiming where are you aiming your life your relationships your family where are you aiming it what, are you, uh, where, what direction are you aiming it in and I pray, friends, I pray we are aiming it toward Christ. Now, I will acknowledge you can do everything right. And at some point, your children have to make their own decisions. And your grandchildren have to make their own decisions. And you can't carry the weight of all that. But if we are not doing what is our job to ensure that Christ is at the center of our family relationships, then we shouldn't be surprised when... It goes a different way. I say that specifically because I know there are relationships that are, that are wayward and it has nothing to do with you. And I don't want you to carry the guilt of that. But I want uh, those of us who haven't experienced that yet to find every way to repair it or to make it the right way to begin with. And I need to hear this. I need to make sure that Christ is at the center of my life and not ministry or, or whatever I may be tempted or, or, or uh, uh, just by the, schedule, the way I schedule my day to make sure I am scheduling in and aiming this in the right direction in my own household, in my own life. We need Christ, we need God at the center of our family relationships. 
And you can do that today. The second thing we see is that we need God in the center of our health. It's kind of a, just a, a little bit of an interesting part of the story here, verses 18 through 20. So Samson gets angry, which we're not surprised by now, right? He gets mad. And so God uses his anger to further relieve the hold that the Philistines have over his people. But he still goes and kills many of them with the jawbone of a donkey, which is just fascinating, right? Samson realized for a moment his need for God to provide health to him because he'd done all this stuff. And then in 18 through 20, he says, it says, he became very thirsty and called out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory through your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised, into the hands of the Philistines? So God split a hollow place in the ground at Lehi, and water came out of it. After Samson drank, he, the strength returned to him, and he was revived. And that is why the name, they named it, or he named it, in Hakor which is still in Lahi today, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So he, he's done this thing out of a fit of rage and a fit of anger. The Lord used it to further deliver Israel out of the hands of the, the Philistines, but he had gotten to a place where he needed God to intervene in his health and, and particularly give him strength. And though... I understand, you know, Samson is in, in a situation here. I do think it's helpful for us to pull out of this, uh, this principle of that we need God even in the center of our health, in the center of our lives and our, our health and our vitality and the way we live our life. We, uh, we need God to provide health for us in the way that he quenched the thirst of Samson. And so uh, we need God to uh, care, be a part of our well-being and health. We can't just merely ask God to fix it once we've done whatever we want to with our health, but we must rely on Him at all times, even in that. And God cares about our thirst, our hunger, our health. And so I think that's important for us to understand. I know it is for me. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the kid, uh, and you don't have to raise your hand if this was you, uh, and while you were in school, uh, or if it's you while you're in school now, it doesn't, you don't have to raise your hand. But, you know, you know that kid, that student that, you know, is pretty good. They don't have to study a lot. And they didn't study for the test. And pop quiz comes, or the test comes, and, and they pray the big prayer, right? None of you have ever prayed this prayer, I'm sure. Lord, I know I didn't study. But help me, help me know. What's going on? Bring to my mind. Perform a miracle today, Lord. Right? Nobody. And we do that with our health, don't we? And, and, and I, I'm convicted by this. I'm convicted by this in my own life. I know I need to give my health to the Lord. What I want us to see and what I think we see in this passage is that every aspect of our life needs the Lord's intervention in it. Particularly our health. And so we can't get to the point and say, Lord, I lived whatever I want, way I wanted to. I, I did whatever I wanted to. I ate whatever I wanted to. I, I drank whatever I wanted to. And now I've got this disease, that disease, or whatever. And God, perform a miracle today. Help me, Lord. I've made a mistake, but help me. It seems ludicrous. And so we need the health of the Lord. We need God in the middle of our health all the time. All the time. 
The third thing that we see from this passage is that we need God to overcome our vices. Verses 1 through 3 of Samson, uh, of uh, chapter 16. Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and went to bed with her. When the Gazites heard that Samson was there, they surrounded the place and waited in ambush for him all that night at the city gate. They kept quiet all night saying, let us wait until dawn and then we'll kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate along with the two gateposts and pulled them out, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and took them to the top of the mountain overlooking Hebron. So we see, what we see here is that we see Samson's vice getting him again. And, and, and we see that Samson, it seems that Samson's vice was of a lustful nature. He played out in his, he, his vice played out in his sexual desires and exploits. And he did whatever he wanted, expecting God to just smooth over the rough edges. But it's this vice that gets Samson in the most trouble in the end and leads to his demise. Look at also what happens here. It's, uh, we see this particular exploit in verses 1 through 3, but then we see again in 4 through 9, sometime later he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. And though it's not this same type of relationship that he had, kind of this one-night stand type of thing, we see that it's this, again, this lustful desire, this relationship uh, that he desired and thought he needed in his life that leads to him ending up in his weakest state. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Sorek Valley. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, Persuade him to tell you where his strength comes from so, he can overpower, so we can overpower him, tie him up, and make him helpless. Each of us will then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How can someone tie you up and make you helpless? You think he would have figured this out. This like happens three or four times, but I guess he was so arrogant and so thoughtful that he had this strength that he could be, uh, he would never uh, give it up and he would never be taken advantage of. And so we see that again and again. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but what we see is she, that doesn't work. And you would think when the Philistines came in to get him, right, and he breaks the chains, breaks the ties, and ha hands him over, and the Delilah comes back, why would you do this to me? Tell me, really tell me. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But his arrogance leads him to be so careless. And that's what sins do in our life. That's what vices do in our life. We allow a little bit, more comes in and takes over, Right, what we give, uh, we give the de you've heard it said, we give the devil an inch, he takes a mile, right? That's how this works. We give a little bit, and it goes way further than we would ever imagine. And we get into this place where we are careless because we think that we can overcome, that we'll never get found out. Our vices will not take over us. And what we must understand, our unconfessed sin will eventually catch up to us. And so we need God to be in the center of our lives so we can avoid such vices. He can overcome those. He can over overcome whatever they are. 
And maybe yours is not the same as Samson's. Maybe it's a substance that always you go to. The Lord can help you overcome those. We need him to do that. But you see, we compartmentalize, don't we? We rationalize, we justify our sin and say, well, it's just a little sin. Everybody else has their own vices. Everybody needs the grace of God, and that is true. And, and you may even use this truth, that the, you can't overcome those things on your own. And I'm not saying you can. And I don't want you to carry the heavy burden to think, if I could just do better, if I could just stay away, if I could just do this, if I could just do that. No, you can't. You can't. You've used that excuse time and time again. And where did you end up? Back in the same place. Jesus can, though. God can overcome our vices. God can overcome the power that sin has over us. God can redeem us. God can save us. God can forgive us. We just need Him at the center of our lives because we've compartmentalized too long. We've rationalized too long. We've justified too long. It's just a little thing, a little thing that I do. And God will forgive me. Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. We need to depend upon the Lord to do what we can't. So if sin has a hold on you today... It is a serious matter. It is not a small thing. But God can overcome that in your life. Place God in the center of it all. Place Him in the center of it all. The fourth thing that we see is we see God the most when we're weak. When we are weak, then He is strong. We sing this song our whole lives, right? Yes, Jesus loves me. Samson's eyes are gouged out. We see this happen, verses 20, verse 21. We see in verse 26 that later on, at some time later, Samson is led to the middle of this room where all the officials are, where everyone's there to mock him and be entertained by this strong man of God. Look at God. Look at this weak God, and look at this weak man. We overcame him. Let's put him on display. Samson's eyes are gouged out, but it's, but it's once he can't physically see that he finally sees he needs God to be with him again. It's like once, he, once his eyes are gouged out, he finally can see and that's what happens in our lives. We, when we are the most weak is usually when God is the most prevalent in our lives that we can see Him the most. And what does He do in verse 28? Listen to what He says. He said, Samson says, he, call, he said, He called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me, God. See, He realized his strength came from God and not his own strength, right? Strengthen me, God, just once more. And with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars, supporting the temple, and leaned against them. And one on his right hand, the other one on the left, and he pushed it down, and he died with them all. 
You see, you see, it was in the weakness of Samson that God showed his strength the strongest. It was in Samson's weakness God used him to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. The, the officials were there. I mean, there were so many people in this one room, and their hold on Israel ended. When we began these two sermons about Samson, there was a correlation we talked about to Jesus. Samson, the way he was born, the promise beforehand, this messianic type promise, the shadowing of what would eventually come in Christ, right? And here in his death, we see a correlation. Here we see Samson being made weak in order to be used by God to deliver his people. And Jesus made himself weak to deliver you and me from our sins. Jesus was sinless. Samson, his sin led him to weakness. Jesus was sinless, but chose weakness for you and me. Samson, in his death, delivered the people of Israel. Jesus, in his death, delivers you and I from the power of sin over our lives. Where Samson's sin led him to it, Jesus died on his own accord for you and for me. It boils down to this. We need Jesus in every corner of our lives, every facet, every nook, and every cranny. We need Jesus. He needs to rule and reign, and we need to be humble before him. He's our example. Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Jesus gave it all. When I am weak, then you are strong, Lord. As Paul said, Christ's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Today, we're going to remember the weakness of Christ. And we're going to celebrate what he accomplished. And we're going to, in a vivid way, recall his body broken, his blood spilled, so that you and I could have communion with his weakness, communion with his death, and communion with his resurrection. Today we're going to take the Lord's Supper and our deacons are going to come at this time and we're going to take this opportunity to recall what Christ did for you and I. The Lord's Supper is a vivid sign, a vivid presentation of Christ's blood spilled for you 
of Jesus' body broken for you. And so at this time, we're going to take a moment and remember that. I want to pray, and then we're going to deliver the elements, and I want to share with you just before we take them a little more of this correlation as we think and remember. Take this moment as we pray to confess your sin before the Lord. If you're here, you don't have to be a member of our church, but you do have to be a member of the body of Christ. And so you need to be a Christian, a, a saved Christian. And so uh, we invite you to take that if, if you trusted in the Lord as your Savior. We'd love for you to be a part of that with us today. Let's pray, confess our sin before the Lord, and ask Him to vividly show us His love for us and His death as we commune with His weaknesses in this moment. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. You are a glorious God, Lord. Lord, you became weak so we could be made strong. Not our own strength, Lord, but just as Samson realized his strength came from you, Lord, ours does as well. Our strength doesn't come from long hair, thank goodness, Lord, but our strength comes from God setting us apart and accomplishing his vow in our lives to never leave us, to never forsake us, and to love us. Thank you. Please forgive us of our sins or where we fail. Help us, Lord, to trust you to overcome our vices, whatever they may be, and help us to trust in you, Lord, and to see you to make ourselves weak so that we don't have to be made weak, so that we can see you the clearest. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If y'all would be